ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into this Friday edition of the Great Scott Show. Good morning. What is up? Welcome to the weekend. And you got one more day of work left. Get through it. Have fun. Watch some football. Watch some hoops. There was hoops last night at the Cajun Omen in Arlington. We'll talk UL men and women's hoops a little bit in the 8 o'clock hour. A little more on the uh, Pels Clippers game as well. Going to talk a lot of football this hour. Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Catgill coming up in just a little bit. And uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll open up phone lines. Again, talk some college hoops and UL and a number of other things. You know, I, I get into the wild card games in the next segment uh, or sometime this hour with Gus quite a bit. But I want to revisit a topic from yesterday because I got an email from a listener, Joseph, who was listening to Norm and I yesterday talk about the coaches that were fired. Really, we didn't even spend a ton of time on it. We talked a little bit about Brian Flores, and mainly it was about which which opening coaching vacancy in the NFL is, is, is the good one, which one's the bad one, which ones are, you know, a coach should want, which ones they should stay away from, et cetera, et cetera. But I mentioned Flores. Reports were that, you know, he and ownership, there was some secrecy between them and, too much turnover with the rest of the coaching staff. I, I, you know, there's a lot of talk of, you know, well, he didn't want Tua and ownership did, whatever. I just think that you can look at a, a coaching tree and begin to see, yeah, you know what? Maybe it just, maybe this just isn't the right move here, you know? Look, there are some coaching trees that, that, are, that have had a lot of success, right? Uh, Bill Walsh. Mike Holmgren, I mean, you could you could go on and on about some of the coaches that have come from them. But let's talk specifically about that Belichick coaching tree. I, I, I don't, they, they leave and what do they think they're Belichick? Come on. The Detroit Lions, who've barely had any success, fired Jim Caldwell, who had a winning record and got the Detroit in the playoffs multiple times. When a New England guy got in the front office and hired a New England guy, and the Lions went right back to the toilet bowl. You, know, you bring in all these expatriates rejects, they usually end up back in New England. But think about it. Eric Mangini, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, Romeo Crennel, Brian Flores, Joe Judge. I mean, Bill O'Brien, I, he 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 I won, he won some. Look, he he got the Texans in the playoffs. He won some games in Houston. It didn't end great, but I'll I won't put I won't put O'Brien in that group. It's not like he went and was like a master or anything. But you hire a guy and say you're going to win multiple, you know, division titles, be in the playoffs multiple times. Okay, Mangini had what, one good season. Crinnell as a head coach didn't. McDaniel's didn't. Patricia was awful. Joe Judge was awful. 
And Brian Flores was, he wasn't awful. He was 24 and 25, but he wasn't great. The coaching family, the coaching tree under Belichick doesn't really work. It doesn't. You know, there was the joke a few years ago. Oh, well, you know, we saw McVay for a season. Let's go out and get that guy. And it's not working out everywhere. I mean, time will tell. But specifically about the Belichick thing. I mean, with this latest coaching cycle, my my only hope is that a team doesn't say, oh, well, that guy coached under Belichick. He's been in New England for a while. Let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Come on. I get it. There are exceptions. There are exceptions to the rule. But when you have a large sample size and most of them just didn't work out, and no, don't tell me that Mike Vrabel came from the Belichick. He played for Bill Belichick as a player, but he was never he was never on the, the, the Patriots coaching staff. No. He was on Houston's staff when they were winning divisions under Bill O'Brien. And prior to that, he was he was a, a linebacker's coach at Ohio State. So I don't include Vrabel in there. No. Bill Belichick might be the tree. I'm not saying, you know, to burn the tree, but stop stop trying to replant the seeds that are falling off of that tree. It's just not working. It's not working. ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. But I, 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 an email I got yesterday from a listener that was listening and said, you know, who do you think the best Belichick disciple was? And I was that it made me, got me to thinking. Joseph emailed me that. I'm like, I guess Bill O'Brien as a head coach. Charlie Weiss, there's another one that just did not work out. College or pro. It's a long list because he's been there a long time. He's been there a long time. That's going to, um, let's, 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 let's make some room for Gus Caggio. It's Friday. We're going to talk some uh, Cajun hoops in the 8 o'clock air of open phone lines. Your thoughts on the upcoming wild card weekend. We will dig a little bit into Pell's clips, but um, coming up next, Gus joins me. I, I have a, a, an offensive and defensive MVP from this past season for the Saints. I think he's got some, too. I think he's wrong. I'll just say that. And, yeah, I think I'm right. Come on. I mean, it's all opinion-based. So who's going to prove somebody else one way or the other? But we'll discuss that. Who's going to be the quarterback next year for the Saints and why the timing of the offseason will have everything to do with it. We'll dig into some wild card matchup breakdowns and more. That's all coming your way next. This is The Great Scott Show coming at you on a Friday. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to ESPN Lafayette now, 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those of you listening via the World Wide Web, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Don't go anywhere. I'm Scott Prather. It's the great Scott show. We'll be right back. The following businesses proudly support the broadcast of UL Athletics on ESPN 1420 and News Talk 96.5 KPL. Doug Ashey Building Materials. Ernie Insurance. Fisher Early Childhood. Jeremy's Flooring. Golfballs.com. 
Harrison Paint. Support these businesses that support the Raging Cajuns broadcast of all UL athletics all season long. If your business would like to be a part of our UL Booster sponsorship, call Pam Begno at 233-6000. When it comes to threat gauging and ISO 17025 accredited calibration, count on Northern Gauge with over 25 years of gauge expertise. Northern Gauge stocks and sells API 7-2, API 5B, Acme, Stub Acme, Unified, NPT, Thread Gauges, and more. Northern Gauge also maintains NIST traceable API masters in-house. Learn more at northerngauge.com or call them at 426-1992. Northern Gauge, 202 Tideland Road, Broussard. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months I make 200 to 300 bucks. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free Get Upside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code WIN for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code WIN for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code WIN. Imagine the organizing possibilities with Lowe's, where keeping it all together comes with Project Source Clear Storage Totes starting at $238 and iDesign Plus the Spruce Storage Bin starting at $1298. Clean up your closet with the Closet Made Brightwood Closet Kit starting at $119.98. Find it all at Lowe's Store and Save Event in-store and on Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Vowed to 318. Selection varies by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. iDesign Plus the Spruce Storage Bin. Pricing excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Have you ever noticed that when the afternoon light hits your floors, you can see everything, including dust? So much dust. And that floor dust gets kicked up into the air, compromising the quality of air you and your family breathe. Eesh. Swiffer Heavy Duty Sweeper is the fast and easy way to clean your floors with ultra-thick pads that trap and lock dust before it gets in the air. Just a couple minutes a day. And dust is gone. Swiffer Heavy Duty Sweeper. Proud partner of the American Lung Association. Olivia, from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! 
every weekday from noon to 3 right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Into the great Scott show on a Friday morning. Time for our Pro Nola segment. As our friend Gus Cattengill from New Orleans, the sports hangover, ESPN 100.3, joins us as he does on Fridays. And uh, Gus, when we, when we chatted last week, we said, hopefully, next time we talk, we'll be talking about a Saints playoff matchup. It wasn't meant to be. Um, I can't say I'm surprised because. You know, we t- I, I thought it might happen, right? I thought there was a good shot. But when we talked last week, whether it be on this show or on your show, I said, I really don't have many doubts about the Saints beating the Falcons. I just have worries about the Niners and the Rams because Kyle Shanahan, you know, he owns Sean McVay. I mean, the Niners beat the Rams almost every time. And when the Rams jumped out to that big lead, you're thinking, here we go. Saints are going to roll in, you know, a nice... Nice, strong finish to the season. Maybe they could upset someone. Maybe they couldn't. Just to get there would be awesome. And then, of course, uh, the Rams promptly blew it. But um, it, what's the reaction been like this week from from Saints fans about the season that was and the fact that they weren't able to continue it into the postseason? Uh, I keep using the word remarkable. <laughs> With, um, cause it's not just, I, I think the fans, I sort of feel that same way too. And I, I think what's incredible is, you know, you, you juxtapose what the rest of the NFL goes through and certain cities and teams and fan bases and where they are. And when you put this into context like this by saying you don't know who your quarterback is going to be, this team doesn't know what is going to be that receiving group position, the offensive lines, a question mark. Um, decisions have to be made not only on it, but perhaps replace or even add depth to it. And yet this team is one that has a ton of, you know, um, hope and, and, and promise. And, and it's nuts when you think about the, amount of people that believe the Saints are not only close, but, you know, like I I was asking, like, what's the word on Monday and how you feeling? You know, I wasn't angry. I wasn't bitter. I wasn't upset. I I was just bummed. I I thought bummed was was the right word. You know, I wouldn't even say disappointed. You know, it's it's just bummed because the team went out there, won, you beat the Dirty Birds, so you feel good about that. You uh, probably saw the best game. Taysom Hill looked at quarterback before he got injured. Then he gets injured. And then in typical Saints fashion, they just plug in another quarterback and he actually looked good. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like you're watching this game 
and you're watching this team, and, I mean, you wouldn't have had Taysom Hill the following week against the Rams, and you don't know what you could have done in the playoffs, but it almost got to the point where you're just kind of just to see because you were just kind of surprised, man, by the way this team sort of played. But I think what's incredible is when you legitimately don't know the answer to a couple of very big and important questions, yet I would say, Scott, the fan base and all of the phone calls we got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, was all not only positive but convinced, you know, that the Saints are right there. The job that Sean Payton did, the the way the defense sort of played, Quite honestly, probably happy that Dennis Allen per Mike Flory earlier in the week yeah. didn't even get in a sniff right. by anywhere else. So you're bringing back the defense. So, Scott, like, it's, again, it's crazy. You don't know where the quarterback is for sure. But, you know, getting phone calls about, well, we'll just run it back with Jameis. Well, we'll go after Russ. But you know what? Maybe we keep our draft picks and run it back with Jameis. Like, not, not only do fans have confidence next year, but they have plans, Scott. You know what I'm saying? It's not like this blind hope and, you know, promise of, of a better tomorrow. They legitimately can probably call your show, give you three reasons why they believe the Saints will win the division next year. You know, and, and I, I, I can see it. Like, it's not a, all right, like Carver says, can we fly? We have to really concoct a way on how to do it. It's more like, well, can I run to the end of the driveway? Sure. And this is how you do it. I, I legitimately think the Saints aren't that far. Gus Kangel, I guess. It, um, you know, we, we talked about this on your show. Look, I, I want to look back this season just a little and then, and then kind of look to the future, and then we'll get into some other stuff. Um, you ask me offensive and defensive MVP. Now, you know, I, I thought mine were the correct, but why wouldn't I? I don't, I'm not going to think that I'm saying something that's wrong. It's all opinion-based. But for me, I think, I think the, the defensive MVP, I think really maybe the team MVP this year was Demario Davis. Um, mm-hmm. He, I think unquestionably, you know, one of, the, one of the top leaders, maybe the top leader on the team. Um, and he plays great and he's consistent. And I know that statistically it wasn't his best year, but... You look at, I mean, consistency the, the key word, right? This past season, because of the injuries, because of corona, because of, you know, COVID rather, because of whatever you want to say, all the changes to quarterback, like, it was anything but consistent. So when you got consistency from anywhere, that was huge. And he missed one game because of, you know, a positive COVID test. But outside of that, he was just, he was remarkable, man. And um, he's one of those guys that's playing his best football in his 30s. He was the defensive MVP for me. And offensively, it's really hard for me to find one. I just win Alvin Kamara, even though he missed, you know, uh, a chunk of the season because, you know, he still put up huge numbers. He's still in the Pro Bowl. I think he deserves to be there. Um, with Michael Thomas being out with everything else, you know, he's one of those guys that he can make it happen on any play. And for an offense that was having its worst season statistically in many years, certainly in the, in the 21st century. It's been a long time since you saw an offense like that with the Saints. Uh, to have that kind of ability in, in a single player, um, I don't know. I, it was harder for me to find one on offense, but uh, I, I, I didn't think it was hard to pick Davis. So where, where, were your, where were your MVPs? And then special teams, I mean, Blake Gilligan. I mean, come on, the punter was terrific. JT Gray was great too. 
But uh, what about what, what were your team MVPs this year when you look back on the 17 game season? You know, it's interesting just because you just mentioned him last. Jordan, my intern, actually said you can make the case for Gilligan to be the offensive MVP because yeah. so many times the offense didn't even get first downs yet changed the field position by the way he punted. I want to say he single-handedly won, I think, helped win a game. That Washington <laughs> game that Washington game was one that That's they put it. in the punting Hall of Fame. I mean, it was, it was the single yeah. greatest no, performance. And you look, at, you look at a guy like Thomas Morstead, who was the, I mean, he was the special teams player of the month last month. Like he yeah. he still has it right and yeah. and yet the Saints made that decision and I think that tells you how good Gilligan is uh, and I know Thomas is glad you know to to be back in New Orleans where he lives and and stuff now that the season's over but I, I just the fact that they moved on from Morstead I get some of it was financial I get it but if Gilligan wasn't good they wouldn't have quote redshirted him for a year with the injury right they wouldn't have moved on from right. one of the most beloved players right. in team history it it, right. it tells you something yeah. about how good Gilligan is 100% and you know we we always joke about it every year at trading camp the old well this will be a season ending something <laughs> you know, right who are they going to redshirt camp this year right yeah. right right you know what? Again, man. You know what? That's just another reason. You know, it's just going to be a day in time be where it's going to take a week to read Peyton era, man. When you think of all the things that he, the front office, how this team's been able to utilize every single thing at their disposal for their benefit, and it's not like a like like you don't feel like the Patriots in a cheating way. You know what I'm saying? It's not like hey, we're going to go you know, videotape other practices. It's just things that are smart, converting bonuses and things of that nature, things that are just, that make sense. Hey, you got injured. You can't get cut. You can't get picked up if you're an IR, but I know we can't use you this year. I mean, that that's a smart thing to do. And, you know, it just kind of goes to it, though, man, where sometimes you hit and sometimes you don't. And, you know, so it's you and I, we, we sometimes cross-reference baseball because we're baseball fans, you know, your Mets and my Cubs. And in a sport where, what is it, Scott, you're considered a Hall of Famer, darn near, if three out of ten times you succeed, right? If you bat 300, you're like a really good player. I mean, it's so, you know, in, in the NFL, when it comes to drafting or talent evaluations, I, I would love to one day sit with you and kind of, what would you say would be a, you know, a percentage that is the norm or even successful when it comes to either the draft or even free agency acquisitions. I mean, you look at this year's draft class last year as well, maybe some free agency pickups throwing Gillikin as well. But, you know, Scott, like my defensive MVP was a Debo, and that's a draft pick. And the reason why is because it, it was all anyone talked about going into the season. And even though I thought he had a nice camp and he was starting out well, they still went out and traded for Bradley Roby, a veteran they thought was going to come in and compete to be a starter. He never started a game because Adebo was fine. And you mentioned on the show on Wednesday that, you know, I asked you, I said, did you have a single show really on a Monday where people blamed him and you brought, you know, the Atlanta game, but the entire team didn't show up on that one. Um, but for a guy that, you know, didn't play football the season before. That's to me remarkable that that's been the story. Like, that's not even a question. Over the next couple of weeks or next week or next Friday, Scott, we start doing the evaluation process and where do we go? We're not even talking 
cornerback. Like, it's not even a question, right? You have depth there, but you can now say the Saints for the next four to five years have their number one and number two. Lattimore is actually probably my second um, in consideration because I think, Scott, he had his best year this year. Following a contract extension, I thought it was his best all-around year. He had a tie with the Debo and interceptions and the team lead with three, but it was the ancillary things, really, or the additional parts of his game that I thought stepped up. I mean, Sunday alone you saw it. That guy was sticking people. Like, Lattimore became a hitter this year. And not only in the run game, but if he gave up a reception, that player went down. I, I can close my eyes and think of four or five in the last couple of games where it's third and something, somebody makes the catch, he stopped before the line of scrimmage, I mean, before the first down mark. So I, I, I thought he became a much better all-around player, that consistency that people wanted from him, where he stepped up not because he was playing a dreaded, you know, number one receiver from another team. It didn't matter, and he didn't take plays off. I thought, I thought it was his best year all the way around. But to me, a Debo, to come in and do what that is, you essentially tell Dennis Allen all of a sudden, now I can go do things because I, I don't have to worry about it. I can play man. I can press. I can now – I got two guys. I can lock down receivers. Now I can have and create havoc, like you said, Scott, with Demario and Quan and Werner, who's a draft pick. You know, I'd love to see what Turner could have gotten. But, I mean, this draft class and all those different things, man, there's so much to talk about. With, with the positive this year, but my offensive offensive RP, I went with Callaway, like I told you on Wednesday, simply because I could almost make a case and argument. It could have been a thousand yard receiver, 698 yards, team eyeing touchdowns in six. Um, you can say, Gus, I know, but he dropped a ton of passes. He did, but if he didn't, he's a thousand yard guy. If he didn't have four quarterbacks, a thousand yard guy. Yet an offensive line, he's probably a thousand yard guy. The last three games, you could argue, should have had a hundred yards. Um, he had 100 yards in one game, short another one, and then, you know, the Dolphins game where I think you and I could have quarterbacked better. So, uh, you know, he, he, I thought he played better as the season went along, which I thought was a, a, a sign that he was starting to get it. And, again, you just wonder if you had a quarterback that consistently could read, could make diagnosis. I mean, there was so many, you know, the Dolphins game, man, where – it's the almost interception to Alvin Kamara on the left side. If you look up on the top of the screen, Callaway has an out route. He's wide open for the first down, but Ian Book doesn't go there. He throws to the double team. So I think if you have gotten the quarterback worth a lick of salt, I, I, I think the guy could have helped you, which makes me feel confident that he's going to be a solid three. Like we always do on our show, Scott, the end of the week, the first week after the season ends, we always put players on ship them out of town, we give them an escort service to the airport, you know, and all that stuff. And, like, if I had to choose, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm taking Callaway because I think the upside's more than Mark, than, than Trey Quan Smith. And, and, and that's saying something to me. So, I want Callaway in a Debo. All right, Gus Kangiar, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, talking a little Saints football. We'll get some playoff picks in a little bit and uh, and talk a little bit about the Pels. But before we do that, uh, this is ESPN Lafayette now, 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening via the stream, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, 
Who's going to be back of the Saints and um, not just going to say who or or why, but the timing of it all. I mean, people focus a lot about about money, but what about timing and could it work or not? We'll dig into that. As I mentioned, talk a little Pels. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk about a little UL hoops from last night. More on the NFL wildcard weekend and open phone lines. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show. We'll be right back right after this. All you trekkies and TV addicts. Don't mean to this, don't mean to bring static. Come on. All you clingons in your grandma's house. Grab your back street friend to get loud. Bullet doors off inches. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. And to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Welcome back into the great Scott show. Scott Prather, Gus Cattengale. It's the Pro Nola segment. Talking some Saints. We'll talk a little playoffs in a minute. College hoops in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, open phone lines as well. Gus, the next quarterback for the Saints, I've, I've said it on this show. I've said it on your show. I say it to anyone who asks me. I think it's either going to be Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston. Now, why Russell Wilson? Well, there's it's no secret he wants out of Seattle. Uh, there were reports last year with his no-trade clause, which gives him the right trade basically gives them a, 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 a little freedom when it comes to a potential suitor, right? In one of the four teams listed were the New Orleans Saints. Uh, there was a lot of talk of it last offseason. Oh, what about his contract? You could immediately convert it into a signing bonus after you make the trade and have it good to go next year and be right there in the mix. Uh, if it's not if it's not Wilson, I think it's Winston again. What kind of deal? I don't think you're looking at a big long-term deal because he's got to come back from injury. But that's kind of the point I'm getting at here, Gus. Who's going to be the, the, the Saints quarterback in 2022? Right now, they have two quarterbacks on their roster that are healthy, and neither are going to be the quarterback next year, and that's Ian Book and Blake Bortles. Um, Taysom Hill is going to have to go uh, undergo surgery. Um, Trevor Simeon's a free agent. Jameis Winston's a free agent, and he's recovering from surgery. So... You, you look at the other things the Saints have to do this offseason, right? Marcus Williams being, you know, something addressing the offensive line and, and a number of other things. Like, 
if, if free agency opens up or it's the draft or it's the trade and they still haven't figured out the Russell Wilson stuff, like it's just uh, the, the timing of it all, right? I mean, the Saints get under the salary cap and then the draft rolls around and then he's still out there. Like they need to have the plan in place now and when the offseason ends and then as soon as things are possible. I mean, I remember last year, Matt Stafford was traded well before he legally could be. It just, it was agreed upon. It didn't actually happen. It was just agreed upon. And then by the time the league year started, they made things happen. But, you know, I, I think you're the, the draft picks used in a trade for Russell Wilson. So you got to have something in place before the draft. There's just, there is a lot of, 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 of stuff at play here. And I think at the end of the day, it's the timing of it all that's going to decide who the next guy is. And there's a schism between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, right? And, you know, Black Monday came and went. There was no talk, not even a whisper of maybe Seattle moving on from Pete Carroll. So he's going to be the head coach next year. Can they mend things, Ian Wilson? I, I, I think Wilson's getting traded. Will it be to the Saints? I just don't know because they've got a lot of things they have to do in regards to the cap and they have to be you know, kind of have some things in place in regards to this year's draft to do it. Having said that, I'm just rambling now. Let me throw it to you. Who will be the starting Saints quarterback in 2022, week one? I think if I had a betting bag of crackling, let's say it's right in front of me, I would say the more realistic, I think, starter would be Jameis Winston. Just because, like you said, so many other things are out of your hands and in play when it comes to us. I agree with you. I, I definitely think there's mutual interest, and I definitely think it would make a lot of sense. Um, and then I think you have to weigh and counterweigh um, some options, right? I mean, when you look at it, when you, when you look at what Russell Wilson would be, it's, okay, well, what sort of compensation are you looking at and you know does it make sense if you're going to do draft picks how many draft picks uh if you're seattle you're probably starting with picks and a player right i mean you're getting you're taking my franchise player my guy that sells tickets all those different aspects of it so you're probably gonna have to give me somebody from that aspect of it i probably start with alvin Kamara. And once the Saints say no, then I'll probably move down the line to probably Michael Thomas. You know, but it's got to be somebody. And then that way at least I have two receivers and Metcalf and Thomas that can maybe dominate. And I just go find me a quarterback if I'm Seattle. And that's even if, you know, they look at it from that perspective of where they're going. And, again, I think that's the thing that's going to be interesting to me is if you're Seattle, what is your reasoning behind it? Because um, we've all seen, obviously, with – an elite player, if you make some moves and you do some things that make sense, then you're back in contention. You know, I mean, the Rams weren't overtly done, and, and you see that they have their flaws. The Cardinals started out hot, but you see that they didn't finish very strong. We'll see how they do in the playoffs. 49ers started off terrible, finished out stronger, but, you know, they maybe still have that deficiency at quarterback, even though Jimmy G did what he needed to do you know, to beat the Rams. So uh, if I'm Seattle, do I throw my hands up and give up, right? I mean, go make a play for some people, 
make sure I have that guy. Because as long as you have that guy, then you're still in, in con, you know, contention and things of that nature. So I just think, more importantly, you can't control all of the um, scenarios when it comes there's you to your yeah you're right you can't you got to try to get as control as many as you can because I, I talk about timing I'll, I'll wrap this segment in terms of our discussion about the future quarterback with this worst case scenario is you you wait when free agency starts because you don't you don't have a, a deal done you kind of want to do a Russell Wilson trade but you know what you're not there yet and then Jameis signs elsewhere early in the offseason and then the Saints are, oh, well, I guess we better put more eggs in the basket for Wilson only to find out that it doesn't work out. That's worst case scenario, because then what do you do? You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, Taysom Hill uh, as the starter day one with with Ian Book and or Trevor Simeon as backups. That's not something the Saints ideally want to do next season. Uh, you know, you'd love to have Taysom on the team in, in, in the role that I think he's best suited for. Uh, as a backup quarterback and a starting Swiss Army knife, if you will. So with that, Gus, uh, ESPN Lafayette, give me your picks. Uh, Wild card weekend. We got two games tomorrow. We got three on Sunday. We got one on Monday night. I know a lot of Saints fans are are struggling to find anyone in the NFC uh, that they want to root for or believe in. It's teams that Saints fans don't uh, like very much. But let's start in the AFC with the first game Las Vegas at Cincinnati the Bengals have not won a playoff game since the 1990 season it was January 6 to, uh, 1991 Sizen led the Bengals over the Houston Oilers it has been a long time did they finally get off the schneid at Paul Brown Stadium did they get a win over the Raiders I do I think they do I'm absolutely rooting for Cincinnati throughout the playoffs. I like to see how far they can sort of go. And the AFC is intriguing to me, Scott, because I think it legitimately can go either way, man. I uh, I kind of look at their, you know, all the different teams on there. And, man, if you get hot, why, I mean, why not? You know, I mean, in Buffalo losing to Jacksonville, I'm not saying that they can't, but KC did win eight straight, did look good early on. And that game against Cincinnati showed me that you can at least compete against them. So, you know, can you compete against them? Do you have a chance? And I think that the Raiders, one of the things that will be difficult, I think, is to come back, not come back, but kind of match that same effort and energy and emotion, playing for a playoff spot, coming back next week, going on the road, and then having to do that again. Now, look, Carr, again, gives you an opportunity to go out there and win. And it's really, to me, about turnover with the Bengals, in particular Joe Burrow, doesn't throw interceptions and can just play as close to mistakes in football as possible. I, I think they're the better team. So I'm going Bengals. I, uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards Cincinnati as well, but I, I said this yesterday. Of all six playoff games this weekend, if you told me that like I had to bet money on one of them, this is the one I would stay away from the most. I would not put any money yeah. on this because it's both of these teams are so up and down, so hot and cold. Now, you know, and but they're but look, they're both playing good ball down the stretch. I mean, week 18 notwithstanding because Cincinnati was was resting players, right? You look at what they did in the last quarter of the season and they 
they won a lot and they played well. But you've seen them at times this year look like world beaters and other times just get demolished. Cincinnati won at Vegas earlier this year by 19. Um, Joe Burrow lives for the big moment. He's great in the big moment. Uh, it's I'm, I'm leaning toward the Bengals as well. I just... I think when you and, and anybody that's been to you know sporting events, whether it be a Saints game or whatever, using the Saints as an example, there is something about a shared emotional experience in a big crowd of people that it's kind of what makes live sporting events what they are, in my opinion. Like it's 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 what oh why would you do that when you can just sit home and have the best seat in the house on TV? That shared emotional experience in teams in all sports they feed off of that. And, and and they feed off of the energy, regardless of what the energy is. Because it's been so long for Cincinnati, if they're in a tight game late, do they start feeling the nerves of the crowd? And that leads us to our next game, Gus, because I think the same can be said for Buffalo and New England. Not because Buffalo, you know, Buffalo won a playoff game recently, okay? I get it. It's It's not so much the playoffs as much as it is who they're playing. Right, I think they would have preferred to play anyone else in the AFC. They won't say that, but the big brother that's beat you up more times than not over the last 20 years, and that's who you have to play in the playoffs when you have Super Bowl aspirations and you were the darling team going into this season. Like, I like the Bills to win it um, because I just think I just think they're better. But boy, if this thing is tight late, I promise you that awesome fan base, the Bills Mafia, I guarantee you. They are going to be feeling the nerves. I promise you that because it's one thing to lose in the playoffs. It's another to lose in the first round to the Patriots with a rookie quarterback that just, oh, yeah, you won the division this year. Guess what, Buffalo? It's not going to matter if you lose Saturday night to the Pats. I'm I'm picking the Bills. I don't know if it's just wishful thinking on my part, but I'm really interested, Gus, if this thing is close late the impact of the crowd in this one because like i said that shared emotional experience it is a real thing more so in sports than probably anything else you know what i always think along those lines too man but playoff football is like playoff basketball when you have elite players capable of making elite plays have a chance to win them, right i mean i know that sounds like a madness but i Josh Allen and Mike Jones right now, they're great, right? I mean, I, I honestly think it comes down to that. I mean, Josh Allen has that ability. And I, we've seen Matt Jones do it at times. Sometimes I didn't stress any two-minute drills, those decisions. But in the cold, in conditions like that, I think Armstrong really comes into factor. And Matt Jones is not in Josh Allen's ballpark. So I literally think because of that position in that environment and what's on the line, I'm going Josh Allen in the books. All right, let's go to Sunday. The game I, I think is got the least amount of buzz, which is weird considering Tom Brady's playing in it. But there's one noon game this weekend. And it, look, noon football on a Sunday, come on. I mean, that's that's where we've watched the majority of football in our entire life. I'm not knocking noon football. In fact, I like when the Saints play at noon on Sunday. It's ideal, actually. But the the when you get to the first round of the playoffs, in terms of just TV slots, it's the one that is going to typically draw the small. Not 
simply because of of when people tend to be in front of their TV in America. Now, it's my point is my point is this: of all six playoff games, the networks and the NFL determine who is going to play when. Now, the West Coast teams that are hosting games, they couldn't do you couldn't you couldn't have the Rams at noon on Sunday. But other than that, you could you could have any other game, and that's the one that they picked. Meaning they feel like Bengals, Raiders, Bills, Chiefs, excuse me, Bills, Pats, Chiefs, Steelers, Cowboys, Niners. They all believe that those games would be better, that there is more interest in those games. And I, I get it. Like, I, I don't uh, Tampa Bay is is not playing their best ball right now. They got a ton of injuries. Philly's nine and eight. It's I don't know, man. There's there's not a lot of buzz around this game. I, th- I don't think the Bucks are. I think whoever wins this game is going to lose in the next round. Um, but I think Tampa is going to win on Sunday because they're at home. And I just I don't I don't believe in Philly and Philly needs to run the ball to win. And Tampa's, you know, number three in the NFL and run defense. So I'm 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 picking the Bucks in that one in a game that I really have, ve- you know, very, very little interest in. Where are you at with Bucks Eagles? <laughs> Um, I'm with you. Levante David, Leonard Fournette coming off of IR, eligible to return this week. Um, that they're difference makers on that team. And the other thing to me is I just think this team knows how to peak towards the end, man. And I don't, like you, buy the Eagles at all. Um, yeah, I just don't. I, and I can understand it, too, because, Scott, to your point, if the Eagles don't run that football Man, that could be an ugly game. I mean, I legitimately think so. They're not on a Bucks level. San Francisco and Dallas, uh, this is a really interesting game to me. Um, there's there's undoubtedly a pressure on the Cowboys, one, because they're the Cowboys, two, Jerry Jones, three, Mike McCarthy. Can he actually get it done for the history of the two franchises? Um, San Francisco, they're, they, they, you know, they, their backs were against the wall. They got the win when they had to have it. Kyle Shanahan's great at, at 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 you know putting together a game plan. Dallas, uh, you know they they want to throw the ball. San Francisco, somewhat vulnerable in the secondary, really good against the run. San Francisco, what did they do? They want to run the ball. Dallas's run defense, I think it's like 16th, right middle of the pack. Dallas would prefer if this game is an aerial type of game. San Francisco wants ball control, run the football, make it happen. Uh, this feels like one of those games, okay, just don't lose the turnover battle and you win the Cowboys. But if Dallas turns it over a couple times, San Francisco will run away with it. Dallas, if it's even or they win the turnover battle, the Cowboys are going to win it. The fact that you know San Francisco had to get in on the last day and they're going to Dallas, who's 12-5, and five, and you know Dallas is only a three-point favorite in this at home. I, 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 I like the Cowboys as the favorite, um, I find this game. I, I think there are, you know, I think there's a little too many injuries, or even players will probably play through injury for the Niners. That's the only reason I'm leaning a little bit more toward Dallas right now. But I'm thinking 27-24, something like that. What's your pick in this one? See, you said the Raiders Bengals game is the one that you didn't want to bet on. There, San Fran Dallas is the one for me. I think this is the most intriguing matchup. From this aspect of it, right? But Vegas and Cincy, I mean, both coaches in the playoffs first time. Both quarterbacks playing in the first time. Like, that's an expectation that I don't know what you're going to see. Here, yeah, seasoned coaches, seasoned quarterbacks, 
that I, I'm calling this a disaster game. I mean, it's, to me, it's a beautiful disaster. You're tuning in to see which team implodes, um, makes the big mistake. It's going to get the Twitter followers left and right. I mean, I literally listened to national people this week say that the Cowboys lose, blow it up. You know, earlier this week, earlier this month, the last month, Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott's in the slump. I mean, this is why this week I call her, he's convinced, Scott, that Sean Payton better get locked up. I accused him of working for a date. He's like having a panic attack on the phone that Sean Payton's going to leave the Saints, going to go to the Giants or Dallas if he's worked for. That's what you mean, both places where he got demoted or fired from, you know, his, uh, Position. I said, look, in New York, that is the third head coach in the last six years, that's lasted two seasons or less. There's no direction, no leadership. It's a joke. Even when they won, that actually tried to tell you the Giants are this, you know, darling team that you're caring no. about stuff. But They're a disaster. I don't buy it. And with Dallas, as long as you said it before as well, as long as the Jones has run that, dude. But can you imagine Gail Benson? Coming on your radio show, you know, you know, I love Jameis, but man, Peter, you know, that touchdown he threw in the end zone that he said, you know, God help them. And all. I mean, like, you can just imagine the owner commenting on the player. That's just another day at uh, the office in, in <laughs> Big D. Yeah, yeah, not happening. And then literally, like I said, this past week, Mike McCarthy keeping them from the Super Bowl. Really? They're a 12-win team. They lost one game in the last five or six or something. And every single morning, they're a disaster. And if you follow Grant Cohen, I highly suggest it. I've never met an individual who covers a team who despises the starting quarterback so much. When I say he hates Jimmy Garoppolo, oh that gosh. guy despises Jimmy Garoppolo. Jeez. I mean, it's, it's, by, it's by the play. It's by the play. So that game is a disaster game. Who is going to be the biggest disaster in that game. So if I had a pick, I am going to go Dallas because I trust Dak more, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, so I'm going Cowboys. All right. Uh, thinking the same thing so far here. Uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, biggest spread of the week in KC, minus 12 and a half at home. Ben Roethlisberger said we don't have a chance. He also said it sarcastically, um, and the media kind of took it and ran with it a different way. But um, the, the fact that the Steelers are even in the playoffs is something. But this is this is Chiefs all the way, right? I mean, is this even going to be a close game? I'm, I, I, I think Kansas City wins, and I don't think it's going unless, to. Unless Mahomes throws a bunch of picks, which he did earlier in the season. Unless he throws a bunch of picks, the, the Chiefs are going to run away with this thing. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a turnover-laden game. Even in a game against the Ravens that won last week, man, Pittsburgh needed help. And like you said, man, like I was talking about when it comes to Allen and and, uh, and Mac Jones, I just, at the end of the day, I know Mahomes has struggled, but Mahomes is still Mahomes. And you still have a ton of weapons. Pittsburgh has a ton of injuries. Not playing with their receivers and center, I think, last week. How healthy will they be this week? And at the end of the day, whatever was left in that tank for Ben, 
got to be running on fumes right now, right? So I think maybe to make it a bit interesting early or this one could be over with in the first quarter. You know, never know. ESPN, yeah, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather, Gus Cattengale, our guest, Pro Nola segment. And lastly, Monday night, the Cardinals and Rams, uh, I guess, slim pickings for ESPN. Not a surprise that that is the matchup. Um, I'm taking Arizona here because the Cardinals have a, they, they have the best road record of any team in the league this year. Like, oh, if, if if the Cardinals had just beaten the Seahawks, they'd get to host this game. That's probably not a good thing for the Cardinals. Yeah, it might sound ridiculous. What are you talking about? They would have won the division. They'd be hosting the Rams instead of vice versa. When you're 3-5 and five at home and 8-1 and one on the road, uh, I, and you're going to play a game on the road that Matt Stafford described last week as one of the loudest, you know, environments when they had the ball late. It was a home game. Um, I think I think this is a good spot for the Cardinals. Honestly, I, I I don't know that either of these teams are playing their best ball right now, but Arizona likes to be on the road. I don't know what it is a stadium. I get that they have lost four or five coming into the game, and that's really bad. I get it, but uh, I'm whoever wins this one, they're going to lose next week. But I'm taking the Cards over the Rams, and just looking at that home road how they've been, the fact that, you know, they can get after the quarterback and they're playing a team that struggles to protect the quarterback. I'll uh, I'll take the cards. I think the cards will upset the Rams, who uh, are a four-point favorite in this one, Gus. So that's my underdog okay, pick is I, the I, cards. So I, I told you San Fran Dallas is a disaster game for me. It's a referendum game for me. Okay. Cliff Kingsbury, second straight year, right? They started out hot, kind of fizzled toward the end. They got in this year. Um, both quarterbacks, same thing. Are you good or are you just flashy at times? Like, are you an elite quarterback or are you just a good quarterback that at times can play well? And that's how I feel about Tyler Murray. Like, he does some things that separate him from other quarterbacks. There's no doubt. Credible arm. Athleticism makes plays. And there's other times where, you know, again, this team just fizzles out. Um, the Rams, goodness gracious, the last two years, I mean, they, they're like degenerate gamblers. I mean, they're not just going all in. They're throwing in the watch. Mm-hmm. They're throwing in the gift that your mm-hmm. wife gave you for Christmas. Yep. I mean, they're doing everything to win a Super Bowl. And the biggest chip they went and got was Matthew Stafford, who... You know, not being ugly. That guy choked. I don't. I, I would I not mean, trust. I do not trust face. Matt Stafford in a big moment. I mean, yeah. he's done nothing in yeah. his career to make you think you should. I mean, oh well, he's had a bunch of comeback wins. Blah blah blah. How many of those were in must-win games, playoffs, or not? Right. It's one thing when you're on a Lions team and it's a game in the regular season, and you know you're you're not you're not going to the playoffs or it's early in the season. I'm talking about the big moments. I. I don't trust Matt Stafford. I mean, this is if it's close, the Rams are going to lose. The only way they win Monday night is if they're they're running away with it. That's how I look at this game. Here's the other element no one's really touching on, too. It was easy to look at Matt Stafford not making plays in that game Sunday. Where was Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald didn't have a sack in that game. Like, 
this vaunted defense that we would be fearing if the Saints were playing this week, right? Like most of our shows this week would be like Viacom Bills, Hill if he was healthy, Trevor Simeon, good luck. Like we're yeah. literally yeah, what, what's, what's Aaron Donald going to do to Cesar Ruiz? Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, guess what? He had no sacks last week. Um, does he follow that up again this week? I think he plays better. But who's the better, more athletic quarterback? I know Garoppolo has some legs, but Kyler Murray can escape the pocket. Kyler Murray can almost nullify a bit, I think. And here's the other added element, man. It's one of the games, other than Buffalo and New England, it's division game, dude. They know each other. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you know everything about it. So that makes me think it'll be tighter than not, like you said, Scott. And at the end of the day, a third and seven, fourth and three. Kyler Murray, I think, can get you that first snap. I think with his legs. Or scramble, buy some time, deliver a football. And, and, you know, they split the season series and the road game won. The road team won both games. Um, it, it uh, yeah, well, that's, that's our, our look at. So you're you're leaning to the, so we're all we're we're going all the same here. So you're picking the cards as well. All the same, which means a problem. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's our our look at. So you're you're leaning to the, so we're all we're we're going all the same here. So you're picking the cards as well. All the same, which means it's probably all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> bet the opposite, everybody. That's Gus Kangio. Uh We did not talk before this, and if we had, we probably would have been like, shoot. All right, will you at least pick something different somewhere? Uh, before we let you run, man, Pels, I don't want to talk uh, as much about last night's game against Eclipse as just the state of the team right now. Um, uh, as as anybody that's listened to me a long time knows, the, the emotions when it comes to the Pelicans are always up and down for me. There was a brief moment early in the season during a losing streak where I worried, I worried that there was some apathy creeping in. And that's the worst thing, right? Because I'm not apathetic about that team, but I began to worry, right? Oh, my God, they're off to another terrible start. Zion's never going to play. What's happening? Another third head coach in three years, blah, blah, blah. That's not the feeling right now, and that's not the feeling at the facility. And you're you're there. You cover the team. You know the guys that are at practice every day covering the team as well. There is a buy-in right now to Willie Green. Brandon Ingram's playing tremendous basketball. But this team right now, when you hear Josh Hart go on a podcast and say that that last year, you know, under Van Gundy, he he didn't use Van Gundy's name, but he said the situation was so bad that, you know, he grew to to, to dislike basketball for the first time in his life. That's that's bad. And he and he said he just loves it again. He's been reinvigorated. He loves playing for Willie Green. And Josh Hart's always been a guy that tells you exactly what's on his mind. You know what I mean? Uh, especially in like a podcast form. It's not like he's going to like sugarcoat anything. It's one thing for a little quick soundbite after game. It's another in sort of he's going to sit down with one of his friends and just talk. Uh, this team has bought into Willie Green, and it's been a long time since, you know, you, you've had that sort of consistency and, I guess, bond, right, between a head coach and, and, and the entire team. And you see it in the body language. It feels like there's something building right now. They're not going to win a playoff series this year or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But when you're the Pelicans, you got to take you you you've got to get off the ground at some point with with some sustainability. Cuz anytime they've gotten off the ground a few years, they come crashing back down. You've got to have a good base. 
And I think with Willie Green right now, that's what they have, right? They're getting off the ground, but they have a good base. Can they continue it? Can they keep it rolling? That uh, that's 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 why I'm optimistic about the state of the franchise right now, Gus. Where are you at with the Pels before we let you run? It's funny you say that. Wednesday was kind of my, you know, when you I, I had you want to ask you about all the different phases and where you see them too. And Thursday, going into that Clippers game was the first half of the season by games, right? They're 41 in, 42 now. But I kind of just simply said, Scott, on Friday morning when I started, I mean, on a Friday show is more of, it's going to be a reason to watch. Like, what's one statement above it? And I think they've given them a reason to watch the rest of the season. When I mean reason to watch, as in you're at dinner, you know, game isn't on on TV in the bar you're asking for, right? If you're at home, you're making an effort to put it on. You're following on Twitter. You're going to the game. I mean, that's been kind of a topic the last two weeks, lack of attendance. But some of them are getting better in certain games. Obviously, the more marquee names. But I legitimately think, judging by our calls, social media, how we talk about it, um, I have other hosts on on Wednesday as well when I go around the state to kind of get a feel of how the state is doing. And, you know, Sean Foxham, Sports Talk 97.7 up in Monroe, he literally for weeks is like, I have no reason to watch. Like, why am I watching? No one's watching up here. There's no reason to watch. I'll just go to Twitter, 10 o'clock on a game day and find out how they blew it. That's not the case. You have... In the last two weeks, fans calling for a Herb Jones jersey to be available to buy. You have caller after caller in my show praising Willie Green. And for what it's worth, not saying that our callers, you're and mine, or you and I, at times don't know what we're talking about, but you know, former players and athletes probably have a different perspective. And to listen to Antonio Daniels and David Wesley this week alone, Mention what Willie Green is doing, adjustment-wise, in-game adjustments, out of timeout plays, just com- com- connecting with the players, listening to Brandon Ingram. Was it last week, Scott, in one of the games, he, uh, he talked about after the game that he walked up to Willie and said, hey, this game plan isn't working, that, you know, we have to do something different. And Willie changed it. But for a player to have, A, that sense, be able to say, look, I'm on the court. I'm telling you, it's not working. And then to have a coach put the ego aside and be like, hey, so what will work? And I think that's why you hear guys like Josh Hart say, I love playing for this guy. That's why I think you're seeing Brandon Ingram become more open, Scott. Like you, when you hear him after games, I don't think it's coincidence you hear the word work, my teammates. He hits that game winner three. If you read the list, Scott, he says, this is my city. Look, this is his team. Willie Green trusts him. Willie Green, after that game, back on Tuesday, um, said he trusts him. I think the players hear that publicly. It, it's just, it, it's, it's a reason to watch, Scott. It's a reason to watch. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but it's a reason to watch because 
they're starting to be a team that no matter who they play. And that week they lost three games to these three, two, and one in the West, the Jazz, the Suns, and the Warriors. But they were in the game every fourth quarter. And if you can do that, moving forward, it's a reason to watch. You're making sure that I'm tuning in. If I spend the money to go to the game, I'm entertained. Maybe we'll pull one out. And as Willie said after that game in what's day one with the Minnesota, if we just put ourselves in positions to maybe win one, maybe we win one. And I think if you're a fan right now, the way the season started, the way your number one pick overall is MIA, um, that's as good as you can ask for, to be honest with you. And I was pretty strong on Wednesday when you were on to where I think literally he's out of sight, out of mind. And I think <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how he reacclimates himself. But the more I think about it, Scott, the more I get, I guess, to a point where you're going to have to really sell me on how it's beneficial that your franchise player, quote-unquote, isn't on a bench with that guy that hit the game winner. You know, wasn't the first guy off the bench to congratulate him at midcourt. Isn't on the bench in the huddle when they're talking about strategy. You know, or coming he's to he's, he's rehabbing. I, just, I mean, you know, he just, as you stop. said, I mean, I, yeah. you said on this show, though, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that he could do right. He was just getting slammed wherever he was in New Orleans, which is okay, unfortunate. Well, but, but, Scott, I, like I said, you'd have to sell it to me. You'd have to sell it to me. Because if you can't handle outside ancillary things, then that's a question mark. Yeah, it, it might not be that, though. I mean, there's something there's something but, happening medically that obviously we don't know all the details. They do an update every few months. You know, I, I told you months ago, You, I, I mean, we're what? I think three weeks into the season at that point, and yeah. said, you think he's going to play this year? I said, no. Uh, so yeah. I've just kind of been expecting it. As Josh Hart said, we can't play like we're expecting him to come back at yeah. some point. If he does, yeah. awesome. But we we have to just gel and, and play with what we got right now, and it's working right now. So, uh, Gus, I'm going to let you run, man. You've been so generous with your time. We'll see how our picks do with the NFL this weekend. Uh, wish the Saints were playing in it, but they're not. But uh, the future's bright there. Always good talking some Pels with you as well, my friend. Let's chat again next week. In the meantime, stay safe, and uh, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to. You know what? I might have to wait till February to give you some cracklings because your wife's going to be like us. What happened to the New Year's resolution? I thought you were going to be eating healthier. <laughs> I hear you, man. It's always a pleasure, dude. And I think the playoffs will be fun. And I'm telling you, reason to watch. You never know. If after the All Star game. This team makes a bit of a run to at least a tenth seed, right? You I mean, they're, they're only, what, a game or two out right now, game so there's half, plenty yeah. of football, uh, basketball left. That is Gus Cagnell. Speaking of hoops, we're going to talk a little UL hoops next hour, what unfolded last night. Open up phone lines, talk more about the NFL playoffs, take a look inside the numbers, all of that and more coming your way right here on The Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 
Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome in back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Phone lines are now open for you. 337-269-1077. 337-269-1077. We'll talk some hoops for a minute before we dig back into football. And uh, a player that the uh, Cajun football team has added via the transfer portal or have a commitment from. When you have a commitment from somebody and on their Twitter profile, they're wearing your uniform and it's not um, photoshopped, then I would say the commitment's pretty firm. But Cajun hoops. Let's start with what happened at the Cajun home last night. You had a trio of Rage and Cajun score more than 20 points in a game at the Cajun Dome, that was a rematch of last year's Sunbelt Conference Championship game, and the Raging Cajun women's basketball team, which improved to three and uh, ten and three with the win last night. By the way, they took advantage of a physical game. It was physical, and there were a lot of whistles. A lot of whistles. 54 fouls last night. 175 total points. That's a Cajun Dome record, by the way, for most points in a game. They beat the previous uh, record for points in, in, a, in a women's basketball game by, like, I think eight. I think it was 167 back in, like, 1990. Last time the Bengals won a playoff game. Maybe they'll break that streak this year. But... 39 trips, and they sunk 32 of their free throws last night. Most free throws made in a game for Louisiana. Tying a record. It was a record type of night at the Cajun Dome last night. But Ty Doucette, when you you need a senior to step up in a big game, she stepped up in a big way. I mean, the Cajuns hadn't played in a dozen days. Another double-double for her, 23 points, 10 boards. She blocked six shots. She was 11-13 from the free throw line. She was awesome. She was awesome. I mentioned there were three Cajuns that scored 20 or more. May May Holman, 21 points, 16 in the first half. Lene Wheaton, 20 points for her. Destiny Rice wasn't far behind. She scored 17, 10-12 from the charity stripe. Make your free throws. It was a game that was a long game. But um, for those that were there last night supporting Gary Broadhead and his squad, they did not leave disappointed. They did not leave disappointed. Troy was feisty, man. I mean, they it looked for a minute there like the Cajuns, okay, going to pull away, and then suddenly it's a three-point game with less than a minute left. 
But Cajuns added six more, and that was all she wrote. Three-game road swing for the Cajuns begins this Saturday in Mobile. We'll have the uh, call for you, radio call against South Alabama right here on our airwaves, 145 pregame Saturday, 2 o'clock tip. Good to see the Cajuns back in action last night. On the men's side, they dropped their first game in conference play. They were without Theo Akuba and Michael Thomas. Both of them are in uh, COVID protocols. And they missed Akuba. Um, it was frustrating at times, obviously. A game of runs, right? You know, I mean, UT Arlington went on a, a 15-2 to two run there near the end of the first half, and that really changed. I mean, the Cajuns were down six at the half, that late run, and then... You know, they did the same thing late with the 9-2 run, but it's 70-64 to 64 with less than three minutes left, maybe two and a half minutes left. And they're playing, you know, they're, they're playing, they're, 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 they're pressing, right? Full court press. One turnover, Trajan Wesley is, you know, like, like the NBA jam where you just have turbo and the guy's moving fast and everybody, he's out there trying to, be disruptive. He's getting them to turn it over. He puts it in. You're like, all right, you cut it to six here. You get a stop here, and it's on. And then that was when Hoiberg nailed the three. And when Jack Hoiberg hit that three, and it was a nine-point game, from that point on, it was just it was just foul, 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 and dragged on and on and on. I mean, that was the shot. That was the shot. Disappointing loss for, for, for UL, who didn't atop the uh, the standings anymore, but you know, without without some key players, now they got to go to Texas State tomorrow. We'll have it for you over on our sibling station, News Talk ninety six five KPL. Texas State ten and four on the season, but you know they haven't. They they're, they're coming off a win against ULM. Prior to that, they had three straight games canceled. It's hard to get a beat on on where they're at. But Kobe Julian had 20 points. Um, UTA won 83-73. I don't even think I mentioned the final. Had a couple other 20-point scores. I think Trajan Wesley, Duguay both had it. Joe Charles had 11 points. Career high for the Karen Crow native. Also banked in at three late. But when Jack Hoiberg hit that three... That's when it felt like it was over. Jack Hoiberg, son of Nebraska coach Fred Hoiberg, played last year at Michigan State. He transferred. A transfer. Imagine that. There are tons. Of course, there's a couple on the Cajun basketball team. And right now, transfer portal is the phrase that is being used often by college football fans. And... Whether it be LSU fans of who's in the portal and who are we getting, whether it be UL fans who are, it's going to be fine, or oh my God, the sky is falling, or whatever. Wherever your fan base is, I have said this consistently, every school is dealing with the transfer portal. I mean, Michigan State basketball. Jack Hoiberg, he got some PT last year. He started a game last year for the Spartans, one of the most historic college basketball programs. Ends up at UT Arlington, who, by the way, was it's like he was starting last night. He played really well, though. I mean, he was 3 of 3. Didn't miss a shot 
from the field or the free throw line. Speaking of Michigan State transfers, Louisiana has six players in the transfer portal for football. Montreal Johnson announced yesterday he was committed to Florida. Imani Bailey's at TCU. Makai Gardner's at LSU. Kyron Lacey's still visiting some schools. Um, Michigan State, the football team, that played in a New Year's Six Bowl this year, that finished in the top ten of the final standings, nine in the AP, eight in the coaches. Michigan State has 13 players in the transfer portal. Now, when we talk about 3,000-plus players in the, in the transfer portal, or at this point, I think Coach Dez said yesterday uh, or Wednesday when he was on with me, someone told him it's now up to like 3,500, which is wild. Some of them have already committed to schools that just haven't officially signed yet, and they won't do so until February. So it's not like all of those kids are just still looking around. Some of them are. Some of them are. But Michigan State has 13 players in the TP, and one of them announced last night that he is a Rage Cajun, James Uhanba who is from Georgia, who has been at Michigan State, who is an offensive lineman, has in his social media profile that he is an O-lineman at UL and uh, changed his profile pic where he's wearing all Cajun gear. He's played, you know, he didn't, he redshirted his freshman year. He didn't see action in 2019. And in the 2020, he, um, he played on special teams, a little bit on offense, and kind of the same thing this past season. He's, he graduated. He's got two years of eligibility, and he, he played some right guard, right? And as Coach Dez said earlier this week, that they, the Cajuns weren't going to be overly busy trying to fill all of their scholarships via the transfer portal, at least at the, at the moment, but may look for some offensive line depth simply for a lack of players in spring practice, right? Now, you lost some players, some to graduation, some used up their eligibility, others to the portal, and others because currently they're on the roster and they'll play next year, but they're injured. So you need some able bodies for spring practice, and uh, that's where Ahomba comes into the picture. 6'4", 325 pounds, signed in 2018 with Michigan State as a three-star prospect. A smart kid, multi-time academic, all Big Ten selection, and I'm sure certainly in the spring he's going to be busy. And if he plays well, then he'll be even busier come fall. He's got two years of eligibility remaining. The portal. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Emails. If you don't want to call, you can email me, scott at ESPN1420.com. Or excuse me, check that. Scott at ESPNLafayette.com. And you can also tweet the show at ESPNLafayette. That's the handle. Uh, Let's take a look at some emails right now. Derek emails the show. He says, 
Scott, is it just me or is Ben Roethlisberger getting way too much love? I get that it's his final game this weekend unless he wins, but he has a checkered pass, and it's not like he's been playing great as of late. Your thoughts? Um, I, I don't know that it's overboard. I mean, I, I haven't been watching like sports television every single day. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it's overboard. And yes, he does have a, a complicated pass, which was in the headlines quite a bit. But you know, it's it's been a while. Um. I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Not really. I think it's kind of I think it's kind of where it needs to be. You know, I don't think it's going to go well for him. <laughs> I don't think it's going to go well for him this weekend. I'll say that. Um Carl emails. He says, "Scott, what do you make of the Texans firing David Culley? Uh I think it was absurd and ridiculous. I thought it was embarrassing. You hire the guy to be the captain of a sinking ship. You were looking and looking and looking. You hire him. He somehow managed to get, what, four wins out of that franchise this year? Which was above the, you know, what Vegas had him at. I mean, Houston didn't even finish last in their own division. I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, come on. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Houston Texans deserve to be scrutinized. I mean, he was put in an impossible position. You have Deshaun Watson holding out. Then the sexual assault allegations all come out. Then there's controversy surrounding the actual coaching search. And then he's working with a JV team for most of the year. Most folks didn't think they were going to win a game this year. No, the Texans are stupid. Now, I'll say this for David Culley, who has a history, used to be a coach on UL staff years ago and has a lot of friends still here. The Texans owe him another $17 million per Tom Palacero over the next three years. So, shout out to Culley for making $22 million for one season as the captain of a sinking ship in Houston. Shout out to him for that. That's pretty good. Uh, two six nine ten seventy seven three three seven two six nine. Ten seventy seven. Good morning, welcome into the show. And uh, that's what I was getting ready to say. That someone's going to try to justify this by saying, "Oh, well, he's getting paid twenty two million, as if money is is everything." Yes, I know that's a lot of money, but you know, it's more than about it's more than money. You know what I'm saying? It's more than about money, not just. And uh, you know, I'm not saying so much you. Cause you just said it, but I normally hear it at three o'clock because that that person always feel that money is more important than anything in his life, and and it's not even like that. Well, uh, look, it was I'm it was su- it was blatantly unfair to fire him based on the roster he was given. That's I mean, four victories when they were the biggest underdog in the league for multiple reasons. I mean, I it it, it you get. I believe that they just set him up to fail and, and they knew it was going to be a one-and-done type thing and they just wanted to get through this year and past all the Deshaun Watson stuff and then kind of do something else, which is, which is I, I don't like it. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised, man. Um, I, I kind of, come on, when they hired him, like, man, who? Like, who is this? I already kind of knew he was a token hire, you know. Um, we'll see what takes place, who they're going to uh, pick up next. Because um, we already know the next coach, you know, because I'm hearing Mayo, man, Jared Mayo. Like, when when I hear, like, whoa, like, didn't that dude just play to him not too long ago? <laughs> That's wild that this dude is is a hot commodity. Yeah, uh, and I and I think and and honestly, I wouldn't hire him right now. I mean, it, he's I wouldn't. I mean, I, I was going off yesterday about teams constantly just hiring Bill Belichick guys, and the the coaching tree under Belichick has not worked out at all. It just hasn't. Well, that's a Belichick uh, disciple out there in New England, right? Yeah, that I mean, that's the not only where he played; that's where he's coaching. I mean, I would, I would. I would if if I was coach if I was hiring someone so right now. Manager, a, that's what I meant. Oh yeah, I, I, you're talking about the GM of of the Texans. Yes. Oh, I I, I I'm not even sure. I guess so. I didn't. Yeah, I, he's what, from uh, New England. Nick, uh, New England, what's it? Uh, Nick Cesario or whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. And he was with the Patriots for a while. Over? So yeah, it'll it'll probably be Mayo, right? Let's just hire former Belichick people. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I it's, it's and maybe I could get rid of him in one year. They give him twenty eight million. No, I'm just joking. Um, but, nah, because Mayo's up and coming. Uh, maybe Flores, man. Maybe maybe they said, you know, man, we can get a chance to get Flores. Let's get rid of Carly, you know, so we can make a move on uh, Flores. Because I, I see Flores, his name out there. Um, Doug Peterson. I already I, that's crazy how his name how he disappeared and he came back. And I was thinking about him. All off season, like Doug Peterson's gonna get, uh, get hired first before anyone. Well, that's what I feel. What you think? I mean, he did win a Super Bowl. He did win where he was. Um, it's not like whenever he was coaching, it was just bad, bad, bad. I mean, he had a winning record. He had a winning record in the postseason. He won a Super Bowl, and then he just got into it with management and ownership, which you know a lot of coaches have done. But I'm not. I'm not surprised his name. I look. I to be honest, I get annoyed by the recycling thing as well. Um, but you know, this isn't this isn't a guy that was like. No, I'm not annoyed if he something. gets high. Like he just, you like he just won a football. Yeah, he, he's. I, I to me, it's more about the resume. A lot of people talk about oh, recycling. Yeah, it gets stupid when they start recycling hires of guys. You're like, we've seen the resume, we saw how it went, and then you know, here is a guy with a a pretty good coaching. It doesn't mean it's going to work out where he goes next, but. You know, he's got a good he's he's got some skins on the wall. You know what's funny? I saw a report with the oh, situation with the Texas. Cully wouldn't fire his offensive coordinator. That was gonna make a difference, man. It's like he like you know, like you said, they was dealt the cards they were they were they were given and you know and that's just how it rose, man. Um Yeah, so I guess uh, we'll never hear from Cully again. So you have a good one, thank you. I'd love to interview Cully. Honestly, I, I'd love to interview Cully. Um, I know he's got some friends in the area. I'm gonna work on it. Love to talk to him. Love to talk to him. Uh, Austin emails. Austin uh, asking about UL hoops. Antoine Jones. Antoine Jones is no longer with the team. He just stopped showing up to class one day and was gone and not the team. And he was out. He was out. 
I'm not sure who the last caller was referencing when he said all about money. He said the three always talks about money. I, I think for Cully, even though he's got a nice parting gift, it uh, it feels like he was just set up to fail in one year and they had, I guess, made their decision before the season even started. That's what it feels like to me. ESPN Lafayette, good morning. Hey, good morning, Scotty. How you doing, bro? What's happening in Tennessee? Uh, not too much. You know, I uh, listen to you talk about Tully and the, the Texans. You know, it makes you wonder if you're the next coach, what you're thinking. Like, oh, good, I get to take this job, and if I don't win, what, nine games, I'm going to be fired after one season? You yeah, know, I don't. I, I don't. I, I think. I think. It, I think it goes a little deeper than that. But I. I don't think of the openings. It's a. It's a desirable job. Um, I mean, someone's going to take right. it. It's a head coaching job with the NFL. But yeah, no. I think. I think it's a little deeper than just how many games you won. And you're my friend. You can tell me if I'm crazy, but I have a theory about. I think coaching in the NFL is probably the most overrated position. I think in college football. Coaching makes a big difference when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids. But when you bring money into the equation, I think the NFL game is more about having a quarterback than a coach. And you can look at prior to free agency, the great teams with the Packers and the Steelers, they were able to build complete football teams on offense and defense. But in this day and age, you better have a quarterback. I don't care how good your coach is. Yeah, I, I, I think I think the quarterback is probably the, mo- the quarterback is the most important position in all of professional sports. It's more important than you know yeah. a starting pitcher, a Cy Young guy, because you're only out there every five games. It is the most single most important position. There's no question. I don't. I, mean, I, I won't go as far as you in saying that you know the coach's ability is 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 overrated or overstated because I do think if you have can, like if you have a bad coach and you don't have you know a, a good quarterback then you're going to be you better have a good defense. Well, but even then you're probably still going to be drafted. I mean, look, the Broncos had a, a good defense, but they had, you know, average to below average quarterback play and Vic Fangio great D coordinator, wasn't a great head coach. Right, they didn't have a winning record. I mean, they won some games. They weren't terrible, but they weren't. They didn't have a winning record. You know, like I, 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 if I, you if you have a, if you have a really really good head coach, you can win with average to below average quarterback play. If you have a really good coach that can figure it out, um, you can also win with an average to below average head coach if you have a great or elite quarterback. So I, I, I think, I think uh, you know, the perfect combination is great coach, great quarterback, right? But I do think how good your coach is makes, makes a big difference. And I think, the, you know, the best – that's why I don't know how many defensive-minded coaches you're going to see hired in this cycle. It's why I've said for years, if you have a really good O coordinator that's your play caller – and he call, he's right. going to be he's going to be leaving. He's going to be a head coach. If you have a really good D coordinator, the chances of him staying with your favorite team for a while are really high because the last coaching cycle, I mean, Vic Vangio uh, was hired a couple years ago. David Culley last year, both of them out now. Brian Flores out. You're talking about defensive guys 
you know, typically, if you look every year of the coaching cycle, all but maybe I would say that of all the openings this year, I bet you all but one of those are going to be offensive-minded coaches that step into the head coaching role. That's just where ownership thinks right now in terms of filling spots. I mean, Flores even said it. He said, look, he he never trusted in Tua. You know, he, he wanted a real franchise quarterback, not a maybe guy. You know, and, and if you look at the history of the game, there have been a couple of teams like the 2000 Ravens, the 02 Buccaneers that had very average or below average quarterbacks, but they had great defenses, like unbelievable defenses, right? But outside of that, you better have a quarterback in the pro game. I mean, you talk about Walsh and, and Landry and somebody in Lombardi. They all had great quarterbacks. You know what I mean? And I just think that in a professional game, you got to have a great quarterback to win at the highest level. And you say, well, you can win, but it, you can't win a Super Bowl. You can't win a Super Bowl unless your defense is unbelievable. And that's, history has shown that, especially in today's world where, you know, yes, the Broncos had that great defense that won that Super Bowl when Peyton was on the decline. Well, that, that's that's putting it lightly though. He was way, he was on his last he was on his last leg. He was on his last leg. I mean, he he was on his last leg, but they kept all the centerpieces on defense, and then two years later, uh, all those guys are gone except Vaughn Miller on well, Vaughn, defense. Vaughn Miller's gone. Vaughn Miller's gone. Yeah. So I mean that's that's what it is today, man. It's. You better have a good quarterback because free if you're if you're talking you specifically about winning the Super Bowl, yes, yes. Um, yeah. If you're that's, talking that's, about that's if you're talking I'm about being a winner, you can do it with a really good head coach. You can win playoff games with a really good head coach and average to below average quarterback play. Now it's really difficult. Don't get me wrong, but I think I think the coach I think the coach matters a lot. Um, but but getting back to your original point about Collie, you know. Without Deshaun Watson, without having a, a great quarterback there, I mean, what did they expect? So it just shows you that the dysfunction goes way up the ladder. And I'm an expert on dysfunction because I'm a Cowboys fan. I know about Jerry Jones. But, listen, <laughs> y'all have a great weekend. Go Cowboys. And uh, appreciate you, Scotty. Later, bro. Thank you, Tennessee. What were they expecting in terms of the Texans? What were we expecting? I mean, I was two wins, maybe both against the Jags, a win. I got four. You had Davis Mills in the last game of the season where the Texans had nothing to lose except maybe one or two, you know, a one slot in terms of draft position. They're out there getting crushed by Tennessee in week 18, the one seed in the AFC, and they come storming back and took a late lead. How many franchises that are as, have as many problems as they do at the top, as many issues as they do from top to bottom, ownership, management, roster construction, everything, all of the Sean Watson stuff, and in the last game of the season, they're not packing it in? They're sitting there storming a comeback against the, with Davis Mills, who's got the neck of a giraffe. Respectfully. I guess there's no way to respectfully say it. The guy's got a long neck, that's all. But, I mean, come on. You think, you think 
a team that didn't want to play for their coach would be doing that? No. They, most most history tells you most teams in that situation. Oh man, I got my flight scheduled. I am leaving as soon as that clock hits zero. I am not coming back. The off season is here. Book my tickets to Cabo or wherever. And they're sitting there fighting. I mean, they were they were playing hard all season. That matters. A culture, the right kind of culture, at a franchise. Ownership is a big part of it. But the, the biggest ingredient in terms of having the right kind of winning culture is one, the coach, and two, roster construction. You need the right kind of players in the locker room, but you need the right person leading them. And ownership's important in that regards because the ones that can see that hire the right coach or hire the right GM that hires the right coach can put those things into place. The right kind of culture can mean everything in sports. And the Pelicans haven't had a great culture for years been a while it's been a while it's been since money they've got the right kind of culture right now i know we're talking about a different sport you got guys like you know willie gomez not getting a a, a minute of playing time last night when the pels are, are trouncing the clippers and he's going crazy happy going nuts for all of his teammates that are getting a late run when you hear Josh Hart, who I love, by the way, everybody last year, oh, you don't need to re-sign him, Najee Marshall. Come on. Come on, stop that. When you have Josh Hart talking about how the, the culture last year was so bad, he, he was growing to dislike basketball. And now he's back this year and absolutely loves playing for Willie Green. You see Valanciunas, you see Brandon Ingram playing the absolute best ball of his career. That culture, it starts with Willie Green. As much as David Griffin might want to make it about him. It's like, man, you've, you've, you've got to hire the right guy. 44 after the hour. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, open phone lines plus going through the picks one more time. It's wild card weekend. Why this weekend is the second to best in the entire sports calendar? What's the best? I'll tell you next. Don't go anywhere. This is The Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Braithwaite. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home and to celebrate 
DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Open up my window again, open up my window again, I can end up calling my name, I can end up calling again, I swear to God things ain't gonna change, I swear to God things ain't gonna change, I keep a revolver with your name, I keep a revolver with Welcome your name. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, CSP and Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Monday, we will talk quite a bit about NFL Wild Card Weekend. We'll also talk some hoops. Vegas and Cincinnati. Still weird to stay Vegas talking about the Raiders. Raiders, Bengals. Bengals get their first playoff win in 31 years tomorrow. Bills, Patriots. Giant monkey on the back of the Bills. At home, it's going to be three degrees. You can't, you, you can't lose this, Buffalo. You will never live it down. You cannot lose that game. Bills by three. Uh, Bucks beat the Eagles by two touchdowns Sunday. Dallas, San Francisco going down to the wire. Dallas wins by one possession. Kansas City will beat up the Steelers. Monday, I like Arizona, L.A., but let's see how these other five games play out. In terms of sports weekends, you got a lot of college hoops. You got a lot of NBA hoops. But this wild card weekend, man, six games. And it's it's laid out perfectly. It's laid out perfectly. I'm sure the teams playing on Monday night aren't crazy about it, you know, especially the winner because they get a short week no matter what. Now there's a chance the teams playing on Sunday could get a short week because they could be involved in the Saturday game the following week. There's, the, the NFL is not going to put the team in the Monday night game in a Saturday game. I say that. Knock on wood, it is the NFL. I don't expect that. But, like, Saturday afternoon it gets heated up. All day Sunday. We're talking like 11 hours. And then instead of that kind of depression sinking in, like, oh, my God, we're already to the divisional round. No, you still got one more game Monday night. 
The only other sports weekend on the calendar that's better is the first weekend of March Madness basketball. Is college basketball the ticket in this country that, that the NFL is? Of course not. But is March Madness? March Madness is gigantic. Biggest bracket in anything, not just sports. That Thursday through Sunday is, it's just, it's the best. It's the best. But outside of that, this is the second to best weekend on the sports calendar right here. The month of January is great for sports. Month of October might be my favorite because you got the start of the NBA, start of college hoops, the meat of the NFL and college football schedule, and you have the World Series. But weekends, this is number two right now. Don't disappoint us, NFL. I don't want any snoozers. We'll probably have a few in there. At some point, I got to grab a nap. Be chasing my kids around trying to watch football at the same time. That should be a sport in and of itself. I might get a gold medal in it, by the way. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll talk to you Monday morning. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.